This is New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for the show is to tell somebody else about it, help spread the word, and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. Releasing her debut recording, Claire Bryant told me she's discovered she can really believe in herself. It had never occurred to her to make a recording before, but she's done it, and it had its premiere at the Lee Correctional Institution in South Carolina. You'll find out why and hear more about this recording on new classical tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. Well, Claire Bryant, thank you so much for joining me and talking about your new recording, which I believe is your debut recording, Whole Heart. Thank you so much, Julie. I'm so happy to be here. Let's just talk a little bit about you first. You're a native of Camden, South Carolina, and you also spent much of your professional career in New York, and you've returned home now. How's your journey gone so far? Yes, it's been wonderful. I'm back in South Carolina in Columbia, which is just down the road from where I grew up. And I have assumed the role of the assistant professor of cello at the University of South Carolina, where actually my former teacher, uh, where I studied with him, uh, Bob Jesselson. So this has been a real full circle experience. And um, as much as I still consider myself a New Yorker, I'm happy to be back home. I see that you're also a coordinator for community engagement at the university. What does that involve? Yes, well, a lot of my experience professionally in my group called Decoda, which is a New York City-based chamber music collective, and my time in Carnegie Hall's Ensemble Connect, which is where all of Decoda artists received our training in a postgraduate fellowship, all of this has really culminated um, in my own career as not just a professional musician, but as someone who really is seeking to know our communities in which we live and perform, and how can we bring music outside of the concert hall in a relevant and impactful way and, you know, make, make a difference through the music that we love to play. So here at the University of South Carolina, we are also very uh, dedicated to getting outside of of the School of Music and sharing music with the community here in Columbia and in the greater state of South Carolina. So I'm able to use the skills that I got um, in my my time at Ensemble Connect and, and through my work with Dakota to hopefully inspire the next generation to rethink and reimagine what an artist can be in today's society. Can you spell Dakota for me? Yes, it is D-E-C-O-D-A, and it's sort of a play on the word coda, which is a musical term, but also this idea of decoding music, decoding classical music, and and making it accessible and fun and relevant uh, for the 21st century person, human. Claire, you mentioned you have a passion for giving back to the community. And one way you're doing that is by having three album release performances in various venues throughout South Carolina. Tell us about the venue for the premiere and why you chose that. 
I have chosen to release my album in Lee Correctional Institution, which is one of the largest maximum security prisons here in South Carolina. And the reason I chose to do that is because my group, Decoda, we have done a a series of songwriting workshops every year over the past eight years at Lee. The men at Lee actually have their own music program that they run themselves and they teach each other how to play and they get together and collaborate and create new songs. And so Dakota goes in once a year for a full week and we pick a theme that is usually based on a piece of classical music. Could be something like Metamorphosen by Strauss and we call the theme Transformation. And the men get together and with Dakota artists and write new music during that week and then perform together for other incarcerated people in the community, but also for their uh, for officers, for um, members of the Department of Corrections who come in and, and hear these performances. So for me, um, premiering my album at Lee was was vital because the men and this experience working with them has made me the artist who I am today. And actually, I don't think I would have had the courage and, and bravery to create my own album if it weren't for my experiences working with incarcerated musicians. Um, also, if we think about what we've all been through over the past two and a half years, I think the isolation um, that we've all felt has been just magnified and amplified for those who are incarcerated. And I wanted to give them an exclusive experience as as a chance to say, we're still here, we're still thinking about you, and actually we're going to be relaunching our program at Lee Correctional. So it's also a celebration of finally being able to come back together and create music again. Claire, can you talk a little bit more about something you just said, which was working in the incarceration system basically gave you the courage to do this recording. Can you talk more about that? How did that impact your ability to actually make this recording or want to make it? I think as a classical musician who's been highly trained, and that's you know what we, we sit in the practice room our whole lives and work really hard, and then we think, okay, yeah, I'm just going to go out and perform, and, and that's going to be it. I, I think having having done a lot of this uh, community work and actually taking the music that I love um, with my colleagues into different situations has has actually impacted me and us more than even the people that we're working with. So I think there's this, you know, the old term outreach, uh, like I'm going to do something for you who needs me is is so backwards because as an artist, being able to share uh, music that I love, but also to make music with people who really need an outlet for expression and really need hope in their lives has really reminded me why music is important and why being a musician is so uh, so much a responsibility, but also just such a gift to have that. And I would say, as an artist, I never thought that I would make a record. I I know that sounds weird because that's what artists do. But um, 
you know, as a freelance musician in New York City for 17 years, you're pounding the pavement. You're just trying to pay the bills, but also do the things that really matter to you. And having worked inside uh, prisons with people who maybe have never been on stage before and seeing that song come to life from page to stage and then seeing somebody get up in front of other incarcerated people who maybe they don't know and perform, that is that is bravery and courage. And so seeing that and, and actually being able to watch that happen before my eyes in somebody else who maybe would never have had that chance, that made me feel like, well, I need to do something brave and bold as well. And so for me, that was making my first record. your debut recording is called Whole Heart. How is that title connected to the music we hear on the recording? Well, all of the music, these seven pieces, are written by uh, wonderful people and friends of mine, all composers who are really just in the height of their careers or some just on the brink of their careers. And I have personal relationships with almost all of them. And so it was important to me to play music that really resonated with me as a person and as an artist. And, and for me, I'm a collaborator, so making a solo, solo record was very scary. Um, and there are two pieces where I have uh, some collaborators next to me, which is, is wonderful. But actually, the title of the record came at the very end, um, and it came from the fact that I felt like these pieces... Um, really sort of explore uh, how music can mirror the human experience and all all of them in different ways. And also I think the cello, you know, has this sort of human voice element. But But these are personal pieces and personal relationships. And so I think this was a way of me saying, this is not just me as a cellist, but this is my whole heart. And I think the performances, I really let myself go in these performances. So it also felt like um, kind of a catharsis of the past 20 years of my life. Let's talk about the pieces on this recording. Two of them are an outcome of the global pandemic. Let's start by having you talk about those two pieces, please. Well, the first one, Seven, by a friend of mine who's a wonderful cellist, uh, Andrea Casarubios. This is a piece that was written in the height of the pandemic in May 2020. And being a cellist in her own right, um, she really knows how to write for the cello. And I heard this piece. It was written for uh, Tommy Mesa, a wonderful cellist. And I heard it and I just said, oh my gosh, I have to play this piece. Um, it's called Seven because it refers to the seven o'clock hour in New York City where strangers and neighbors uh, would come to their windows and open their windows and bang pots and pans and, and clap and cheer for the vital workers who were on the front lines uh, keeping us safe and, and really risking their own lives for us. 
I actually wasn't in New York City during the time, but Andrea was. And so she was experiencing this, um, and she just felt the urge to write something about this ritual of coming together in this uh, very scary moment uh, that we were all experiencing. And so it, it is a song of isolation. I think it's just such a powerful work, and it's written, you know, in, in honor of those frontline workers, but also in memory of all of those who lost their lives during the pandemic. You know, artists were really. Uh, exploring ways of, of connecting uh, with with their audiences during this time. And Gabriella Lena Frank, who's a wonderful composer, um, put together a project for composers and solo artists to come together. So it was sort of like a matchmaking. Uh, and so Tanner Porter wrote this piece and even these small wonders. She was paired with a cellist, and so she wrote this this short, uh, really whimsical, beautiful piece that kind of has some Copland-esque tones to me. And they're also, both of these pieces, the cello, the low string is tuned down one step to a B instead of a C. So the cello actually has a different resonance. So I, I liked that there were two pieces on the record that have a different tuning and sort of give this really depth and earthy quality to uh, the instrument. And that piece also by Tanner Porter is more optimistic. Yes. It has a more hopeful tone to it. It definitely does. And it. I, I think, um, I actually don't know Tanner personally, um, but I reached out to her, of course, to ask if I could record the piece. She's the only one who I don't have a friendship with, so I hope that this will grow into a friendship because of the recording. But uh, that piece, I think, really explores the idea of a simple idea, small wonder, something, you know, and I think we all sort of, you know, found those things. I grew tomatoes, you know, just growing a plant during the pandemic was something I'd never had had the opportunity to do in my life because of the way my life was. But these small wonders and just and really relishing those and and, and not taking those things for granted. What was that like plucking your own tomatoes from your own plant? the best experience ever and I got really frustrated because the second season my tomatoes just were not as good <laughs> but it was a it was a I don't know it just it's like what is life you know and as a musician we are working so hard and we're trying so hard and you kind of lose sight of like the simple things that I think um, now we sort of hang on to at this point
Claire, you have three world premieres on your debut recording, which certainly indicates that brand new pieces are important to you. Let's start off with the piece by Adam Schoenberg. Yes, Ayudame. This is the only piece on the record that was actually written for me. Um, Adam and I were in school together at Juilliard for our master's, and actually this is the oldest piece on the record. In 2004 it was written. And this was our first opportunity actually as composer and performer working in that way with another person. So Adam hadn't written a solo piece for anybody before, and I had never had a solo piece written for me. So we were really good friends, and I said, oh, you know, would you write me a piece? And he said, oh, yeah, great. We'll, we'll put it on the composer's concert at Juilliard. And as it, he was writing it, he kept saying, I don't, I don't recognize my voice. I, who am I? Who is this? What is this music coming out of me? And we were really working together. And he said, can you do this? Can you do that? I said, oh, no, this is too hard. This is too virtuosic. Nope, I can't. I can't get up to this note. He said, no, I think you could do it. So we were in this moment together, really growing as artists, I think. And, you know, I think for a while, Adam was was very confused by this piece but I think it I think we both really love it now and I was also frustrated working on it because it is really hard (laughs) Um, that's not a disclaimer it just is and that's why he titled it Ayudame which translates to mean help me yes it was a coming of age for both of us as artists um, and maybe a little bit uncomfortable um, like who, who am I as an artist, and how can I do this? How can I actually make this work? I'm almost hearing you say, help me figure out this piece. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's so nice to be able to play it um, now, uh, 10 years later, um, just having that you know, perspective, um, because I think, you know, we all grow and we continue to grow and we continue to learn. Um, and, and I think it's actually a hopeful piece, even though it, it is dark. Um, but I'll leave that to the, to the listener to decide. Another world premiere is called Delta Sunrise by Jessica Meyer, and she wrote that piece on a plane when she was on her way home from New Orleans. I love this piece. Um, It's a miniature, you know, three and a half minute piece, but there's so much beauty inside those three and a half minutes. And she's really exploring the softer side of the cello, Um, a lot of textures, a lot of gestures. And I just love picturing her at the window seat of her plane, um, riding back from New Orleans. This was about, you know, her first trip to this great city in America. And when I learned it, um, you know, I, I just was sort of picking up on these on these wonderful cellistic textures, uh, 
that were soft and kind of sweet. But then when I worked with her on it, she was really saying, no, this, this trip was, wasn't just nice. It was really intense. And so even though there's not a lot of, uh, you know, loud music in this piece, there is this intensity and this depth that I think is really captured in such a brilliant way. And I think it's just such a a wonderful thing to be able to, you know, it's like writing in your journal after a trip or something. But for Jessica, she said, I just have to write a piece right now because of the experience I just had. You know, seeing this city for the first time, the people that she met, it just was a, a, a big experience for her. And so she actually wrote this piece. Um, originally, she's a wonderful violist, of course, and she wrote this for viola. Um, but then she, uh, you know, made a version for cello. So I'm, but this is the first commercial recording of Delta Sunrise on any instrument. And um, I'm just so grateful to, to be able to play this piece. I, I love playing it just at home by myself. Caroline Shaw is a good friend of yours, and she wrote a piece for cello and viola duet called Limestone and Felt. And this goes way back to when you were kids at summer camp. Is that right? Yes. My mom ran a summer camp in Brevard, North Carolina, not the famous music camp, but this was a a summer camp for children. And Caroline and I and our siblings, we grew up going to this camp. And so, I mean, she might have been three years old and I was four or something like that. That's when we met. And or maybe I was a little older. She's a little bit younger than I am. Um, And so we would play together, you know, our Suzuki tunes. And um, we've known each other ever since. And, you know, really, we've gotten to play together as uh, players. But also I love her music and playing her music. And um, I'm playing this also with another really longtime friend, uh, Nadia Sirota, wonderful violist, um, who also produced this album because she's my bestie and she knows me really well and she makes me feel confident. And so this is a really vibrant, fun work. Caroline also just really relishes the simple things in life and and finds beauty and wonder in those things. And so this is really about the two different textures, uh, something hard and something soft. And you can hear that in the music because it starts off right away with a, a what we call a Bartok pits or a snap pits. Then she explores that texture for a while and then she'll explore a softer texture where we're playing with our bows. It's a fun work to play. The other world premiere was written in 2019 by Rena Esmail. It's called Varsha, or Rain. 
And I know it was inspired or originally inspired by Haydn's seven last words for string quartet. How does it reflect both a physical and a spiritual thirst? So so this was part of a project that Juilliard commissioned uh, many, several composers to write sort of interludes in between the Haydn, Haydn seven last words, the movements. Rena and I also went to school together a long, long time ago um, at Juilliard. And when actually this whole album, it came from a performance that I did at the University of South Carolina in, in during COVID, uh, March 2021. And I wanted to find solo cello works um, and some, some duos that were written by people that I knew. And I love Rena's music. She's such a beautiful uh, composer and, and musician. Uh, Varsha was on her website, and I asked her if I could play it on my recital. And uh, this, this work is very satisfying to play as, a, as, a, as an artist, um, as a cellist, because it's written so well for the cello, but it's also has some virtuosity. It's sort of... Uh, it takes sort of these long tones that are these sort of uh, kind of notes that she is highlighting. And actually, I think that comes from her Indian American heritage. She's using these tones and she's finding ways to sort of get to those tones with these floral arpeggio kind of virtuosic gestures. So it not only explores the range of the cello, but it's also calling upon her own heritage uh, using a raga that is calling for rain. This idea of thirst and this idea of physical thirst and emotional thirst. So you get that feeling through the music uh, because it's it's sort of wanting to hang on to these long tones, but then it fleets away to another tone. Jesse Montgomery's duo for violin and cello is meant to be an ode to friendship, and each movement is filled with a different mood. Would you walk us through those different movements, please? Sure. Um, the first movement is called Meandering. And I really love the, the vibe of this movement. Um, you'll notice that the, the cello and violin are, are just kind of meandering around each other and, and repeating what the other one has said at different times. But it's just kind of got a, I don't know, a cool vibe. Um, there's a lot of uh, virtuosity in this movement uh, with a lot of pizzicato in both the violin and cello. Um, but playfulness. And, you know, she says in her uh, program notes that this really was written for one of her friends, for them to play together. Uh, that's the first movement, Meandering. Yeah. 
The second movement is called Dirge. and I were working on this. Ari Streisfeld is the violinist uh, who, who performed this with me. Um, it's got this kind of Appalachian vibe to it. Um, Jesse, often her music is really folky and, and, and calling upon folk elements. And I just kind of imagine like a, a cabin in the woods and, you know, a... a, a a processional of some sort. It's it's dark. I think it's dark, but then there are these solo movements where each instrument gets to sort of break out and really sing. And then the third movement is really virtuosic. And you'll you'll hear that both the cello and violin are exploring the different ways in which we can play where it starts really scratchy, where we're close to the bridge, and that's called the ponticello. And we are just wildly chasing each other the whole time. Actually, there's a a moment where we're playing exactly the same notes very quickly, but one note apart. So it's a it's a challenge to play, but it's really, really fun. And it's kind of a catch me if you can movement. Claire, I'm wondering what you might have discovered about yourself that maybe even surprised you as you were putting your debut recording together. I think I think I believe in myself more. Um, in, in our classical music tradition, we're just always analyzing what what isn't good. What 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 note did we miss? Oh, you missed the shift. Oh, don't do that, don't do this do this, do that. And in this, you know what, in the editing process, you know, it's not not the most fun thing to listen to yourself over and over again, but does it really matter? And I think what I've really appreciated about my producer, Nadia, and engineer, Jeff Francis, is that they really wanted the performance to come through. And, and you know, you'll hear, I've I'm like, oh, but I'm breathing here. And they're like, yes, you're a human. It's okay that we can hear your breathing. So I think just I have the confidence now that at at age 43, that things don't have to be perfect. And actually, perfect is not is not what we're striving for. It's really thinking about what in this music do I love so much that I want someone else to love so much? And how can I help them through my performance feel that? And what kind of emotion is this music calling for? And what what is it saying about 
the human experience and how can I really tap into that? So I think I just believe in myself more as an artist. And I am also really just wanting to inspire my students, um, you know, to believe in their, that themselves and their own artistic voice. Yeah, that, that can make or break you, can it? Definitely. And music is just music. And how lucky are we to be able to do this? Here's something that I, I think I read in the press release about this recording, and I thought it was so beautifully stated. These works reflect love and the human experience. Whole heart is a reminder of the collective challenges that we face and the resilience and the strength that live inside of each of us. I'm wondering, Claire, can you talk a little bit about the resilience and strength that maybe you discovered within yourself? Yes. Um, I mean, I think, especially what we've all been been through, the collective pandemic experience, and it's been different for everybody, And I, but we've all been through it. And I think for the first time in my life, you know, when the world stopped, I mean, for all artists, our, our lives stopped. I mean, we didn't, I mean, have anything. We had no performances and everybody had to get creative. My own pandemic experience as an artist, I was, I was in hibernation. I, I just felt artistically drained, burnt out, and, and really, I don't know, depressed. I, I, I went through a, a major depression. Um, not unlike many people, probably. So making this recording, it came from a concert I did at school. Um, and then actually someone on the YouTube stream said, this should be a, an, an album. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, well, maybe I should try. Maybe I should try to make an album. I, I think we just have to to be compassionate for the fact that we we are all human beings. We are all um, going to experience highs and lows. And I think um, I was able to forgive myself for stopping for six months. I mean, I I don't think I touched my cello for months. And I forgave myself for that. And, And now I feel like the world is, we're back and maybe we can all remember that we can remember what we've been through but also like take that empathy with us and and make empathy a lens for how we uh go forward and also celebrate the resilience and and the struggle and the triumphs it's interesting you are not the only artist i've talked to who set their instrument down for a very long period of time during the pandemic. And for some people, it was almost this sense of maybe almost relief mm. because if you're a professional performer, mm-hmm. that's all you've done for a very long time. Right. You know, practice, practice, perform, perform. What was it like for you when you did finally pick up your instrument again? I mean, I think it was, um, I just felt healed as a person, like I felt like I was coming to it as a friend and not out out of resentment or sort of, you know, frustration or, or yeah. So it was, it was a different, I actually came back to it playing folk music. Um, you know, I mean, of course I was 
playing classical music, but but I think I was playing music that I wasn't performing. So that was like a really nice um, new, I don't know, new new side that I was exploring in my own artistic self, but also with my cello. I was playing like Norman and Nancy Blake songs. Um, yeah, so it, I don't know. I just, I needed that. And I think a lot of us needed that break. I mean, as, as horrible it, as it was, it, it just, we need to take care of ourselves. And I think that that's what I want my students um, to, to know is that, you know, you don't have to kill yourself to like make your life happen. Actually, you really, we have to take care of ourselves and we have to take care of each other. And yeah, so it was, it was a nice way to come back to the instrument. And then I think out of that came this album, which felt authentic and it felt good I mean, it was hard, but it felt right. It felt like, okay, no, this is this is why I'm a musician. This is why I'm an artist. This is why I'm a cellist. The debut recording from cellist Claire Bryant. It's called Whole Heart. Thanks to Valerie Kaler, our producer for new classical tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher.